Welcome to Conversations in the Word. My name is Nick Funderburk. I am the discipleship pastor here at First Baptist Dothan. And today I'm joined by two of our other pastors, Taylor and Reed. And today we're going to talk about corporate worship. Yeah, thanks for having us on, Nick. Uh, we're really excited to just talk a little bit about um, what worship is about and why it's important and ways that we can kind of be thinking about worship biblically, uh, not just for us planning worship, but for the congregation as a whole. What do we mean when we say the words corporate worship? Yeah, so we say corporate worship to distinguish from there's different kinds of worship. You know, you might worship personally in your own private quiet time. There's this idea of worship in all of life. You know, worship is living our lives as uh, living sacrifices to God. When we talk about corporate worship, that is when the church, the body of believers, gathers together on a regular basis to, uh, to worship. So basically what we do on Sunday mornings. Taylor, why is it so important that we gather for worship on Sunday? Well, we often talk about how one of the most basic functions of what it means to be a member of Christ's church is to gather on Sunday. It's, in many ways, the launching point for the rest of our week. So we view the corporate gathering as that one time where the entire membership gets together to be edified and encouraged through the singing and the preaching of God's word, which then launches them out into their work week or wherever they're going Monday through Saturday. So as we often say, it's one of the most basic functions of, of what it means to be a member of the church. So Hebrews 10.25 says, Do not neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some. Why do you think this is so important for the author of this verse? Well, he's clearly concerned about it, number one. And the fact that he references, as is the habit of some, there is a segment of the population out there who was not valuing the importance of the weekly gathering, which is not uncommon at all to think about in our highly individualized culture in which we live, where many people that we know would claim that very same thing, that it's not that important that I gather on Sunday with my actual church family because I can worship through uh, watching at home, through listening to a sermon throughout the week. And while those things are certainly edifying, you miss out on the corporate emphasis of being together with other believers in the room so that we can be encouraged by them, so that they can pray for us, we can confess our sins together. There is a corporate element that you cannot get if you remove yourself from the weekly gathering. Right. I mean, he, he leads up to that verse saying, let us draw near with a true heart. Uh, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. And we, we can't do that if we're apart. And the, the purpose of that weekly gathering is so that we can fulfill those commands. Yeah, I think that um, so that we can stir one another up is a really important part of that. Because you can be edified and you can grow in your your own faith from a distance, just from reading Bible studies or doing that kind of thing. But, you know, the whole, all of the New Testament talks about worship as a form of edification and of building each other up. Let everything be done for building up. And we can't do that if we're separate from each other and we're not together as a body. Not to mention, as we often say in corporate worship, every letter that is written in the New Testament is written to a corporate body. There, there's no letter outside of Philemon that Paul writes, really, or maybe some of the pastorals, but so many of Paul's letters right. are written to the church body context. Yeah, even Titus was written in order to instruct the church in Crete. 
Okay, so why can't we get some of those good elements of corporate worship apart from the church? Why can't we experience fellowship, you know, in our community, in our work or our family? What is it about the corporate gathering, corporate worship of the church that is so special? Yeah, well, I mean, as we've kind of been saying, one of the the core fundamental reasons why this is so uh, important and special is that uh, the Bible makes it clear that it's really important for God, that his people get together. He calls his people to get together. He doesn't call us to just go off and kind of do our own thing with him. He wants us to gather together so that we can support one another. Um, When the church gets together and when the church is, you know, properly submitting to the word of God and to, you know, being led and uh, edified by the gifts of the spirit and everything that we know that happens in the church, um, that that guards us against, um, you know, churches still fall into false teaching, but when you have a body of believers together, and when you have wise, mature Christians that know you and that love you and that can speak into your life, um, that can guard you from going off too far uh, one way on the rabbit trail or the other. It can kind of keep you, you know, honest and faithful to uh, to Scripture and make sure that you're you're being held accountable and also that you're able to hold other people accountable. Reed, you kind of mentioned the concept of we're we're protecting one another from false teaching, um, and I think that leads into sort of the 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 missional aspect of gathering. It's not just about me and what I can receive, but also about what I'm able to um, instill or what I'm able to provide to the church as a whole. So mm-hmm. considering um, the the mission of the church, Taylor, maybe you want to speak into this too, considering sort of the mission of the church, what is the purpose of the weekly gathering? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, the primary reason that we gather for worship is to give glory to God and to declare um, the glorious things about who He is and what He's done. Um, but also, the New Testament in particular really makes it clear that worship is about, um, it, it's really about discipleship. It's about growing in our knowledge of Him, mm-hmm. growing in our understanding of His Word, being filled and um, nourished by the Spirit and by the teaching of the Word. And so it's it's two parts. It's, it's about glorifying God, but it's also about um, encouraging our brothers and sisters, learning from them, helping teach them, admonish them, and all those kind of things. So Taylor, how does the corporate worship, the weekly gathering, play into the mission of the church? Well, theologically, I would think back to the resurrection and when Jesus is raised from the dead on Sunday morning and all of the women are at the tomb and they they recognize Jesus, one of the very first things they do is go and proclaim to the other followers of Jesus that he is that he's alive. So that proclamation of the gospel, while, you know, on Sunday morning in the tomb is kind of where it started, we carry that over into every Sunday. So we gather together to testify of the resurrected Jesus, and then that propels us out into the world every single week. So it's, it's again, like I said earlier, it's that launching point for, in many ways, evangelism, discipleship that we would do throughout the week. So guys, as we think about the weekly gathering, what's something that you look forward to each week when you think about uh, corporate worship? So one of the things that um, has really meant a lot to me over the past few months and something that I really look forward to most Sundays is um, just having really intentional times of prayer um, and times of prayer that aren't just kind of vague or general or, you know, just an opening prayer or a closing prayer, but really praying about specific things, you know, a prayer of thanksgiving or a prayer of lament, or a prayer of confession, really honing in on a passage of Scripture, 
um, reading that passage, and then we, we uh, have a prayer that kind of, you know, focuses on that passage, and that has really kind of, as Taylor was saying, there's so much power in the Word of God in some of these passages that we read, and then just taking the time to pray and reflect on those is something that, that I would say I look forward to uh, in m- many Sundays more than the music. Taylor, you cannot say the sermon. What is your favorite aspect of worship? I'm really encouraged and uplifted when I hear the congregation singing together, uh, when we hear the voices in the room, which I think Reed does an excellent job pretty much on every song of of drawing back at some point and, and letting off the instrumentation to allow the voices in the room to take priority. And obviously that's something as a church you have to grow into because most people are more comfortable when it's being led by the choir, the band, or the worship leader. But I think, you know, slowly we're trying to foster a culture where the the voices in the room are really the main players in the, the singing together. I guess, what input do you take in planning the worship service? Yeah, so I normally lay out the kind of the, the rough draft, I guess, of the service ahead of time. Taylor, of course, gives me sermon texts and those kind of things, and then I go and lay everything out in a way that makes sense and try to select music and other elements that go along with that. And then I sit down with him and several other people on our worship planning team and kind of present what I've, uh, kind of my plan, and then we talk through that, and they'll offer up suggestions, and we'll tweak things, or, you know, sometimes I, I won't be able to decide on a song, so I'll have two options, and we'll pick from those. So we, I kind of lay out the groundwork, but then we think it's really important as a group to kind of pray over it together, read through the sermon text together, and really reflect on it as a group. It does help to get feedback from other church members. I preface that by saying there's certain things that Reed and I are not really going to negotiate with in terms of corporate prayers, scripture readings, the preaching of God's word. But it has been helpful to get input from various church members about these elements and how we can go about teaching the congregation why they're so important because it it would be really easy for Reed and myself to just say, well, we know what we're doing and our people need to get on board. But there is an aspect of of shepherding the congregation and faithfully teaching them why it is we do what we do. And so that's really where a lot of the feedback from our church members becomes really helpful. They can help us communicate, you know, you've been incorporating this prayer of lament the last six months, but there's probably a lot of people in our congregation that, that don't really know what that is. So it might be helpful before we go into that prayer, if you would explain the biblical rationale behind what we do or why we do that particular prayer Notice in the bulletin that we do have the biblical rationale underneath every part of the service from the call to worship all the way to the benediction. Uh, We try to provide the scriptural evidence for why we're doing each and every element as as a discipleship tool, as a way to teach our people why we think this element is biblical. So we're all relatively young in ministry, uh, somewhat new. Uh, Taylor, you've only been pastoring here for three years now, is that right? And uh, three and a half. So what are some ways that you've seen your own kind of view of worship grow or change over the last few years? Read maybe in the last year or so as you've been leading worship, what are some ways that your understanding worship has um, been molded by your experience here? My entire philosophy of worship has drastically changed within the last two, two and a half years. Wow. I don't come from a background of 
doing a lot of scripture reading or a lot of corporate prayers. It, there was always the preaching of God's word. There was always congregational singing. But in terms of being very intentional in praying in the service and in scripture readings being done, that's not something that was a part of my upbringing. So in our search for read, actually, I began doing a lot of reading about corporate worship and its importance and what elements are important in the corporate gathering. And I've just been convinced that what what our congregation needs is a service that is saturated with God's word. And I would say that five years ago, even before I was in Dothan, I would not have had uh, that mentality at all. So I'm, mm. I'm very new to this type of worship, but I do believe that it is a very faithful type of worship that ultimately is what I believe and Reed believes our congregation needs. So before Reed, you jump into that, uh, Taylor, what were some of the resources that you read that kind of led you to that conclusion you might recommend to our people? Uh, one of the books that made a very big impact is a book by Matt Merker called Corporate Worship. It's a nine marks organization book. It really lays out a lot of the elements that we have incorporated in our worship services. We read as a group together in our search for read Worship Essentials by Mike Harland. Uh, that was an excellent book to help us really kind of understand what we really should be trying to accomplish in the gathering. So Worship Essentials by Mike Harland is another really important resource Are as you, well. Are either of those very uh, attainable for the average church member to read? They're, uh, oh, yes. Uh, the Corporate Worship book by Matt Merker is maybe 120 pages. It's a tiny book. And then the Worship Essentials book is maybe you know, 150. They're both very readable. They're not academic at all. They're very uh, practical in nature. What would you say is a way that the average church member can sort of increase what they are actually getting out of, or maybe increase even what they're putting into worship? Very practically, at the, you could read the sermon text prior to the service on Sunday morning, pray through that text. You could look at what we will be singing, which we try to post on our social media sites every, what, Friday or Saturday, and we post the set list. And we don't post the set list to uh, increase excitement. We post the set list in hopes that our people will look at those songs and maybe review some of those lyrics to better prepare their hearts for worship. So those are a couple of just basic things that I think could go a long way in coming into the service informed about what the theme of the text is that day and how the songs surrounding that text, you know, lift up and point to whatever that passage is we're preaching from. Yeah, I think another way to really um, kind of actively participate in and engage in worship is just to be thinking about the connections between the whole service. We try to, you know, have things from a thematic sense, uh, flow into each other. You know, we have a, a reading that comes after a prayer of confession that kind of builds on that theme. And so thinking about each element of worship, not as just an individual thing that we do, but in terms of how they all feed in together and build towards that same theme. And finally, I would also say, the more you can think of your other brothers and sisters in Christ that are in the room mm -hmm. as you worship, 
that will in only, a good way, hopefully. Yes, in a good way. <laughs> that will only lead to a decrease in your own preferences being met mm-hmm. and your own selfish desires being fulfilled. So when I come into worship, obviously it's about the Lord, so we're glorifying God. But as I come into the service, if I know of a struggle that a brother or sister is going through in that room, that I can be worshiping to the Lord, but be ministering to that brother or sister, uh, you know, through them being in the room. And I think just thinking of our other brothers and sisters that are with us in the room really takes away a lot of our selfish desires and preferences that we all bring into a corporate gathering. Yeah, I think it's critical to that same extent that we're we're actually present in the worship room. Not just that we're physically there, but but mentally and spiritually we are not we're not distracted by uh, you know what is going on outside of the room or what we have going on later that day, but we are in there focused on whether it's the the elements of worship or whether it's brother our brother or sister next to us. We're we're focused uh, mind, heart, and body on what is happening in that room. Last thing I kind of want to talk about here is something that we touched on briefly at the very beginning was worship as discipleship. So when we when we talk about discipleship within the church, we think about things like Bible studies. We think about one-on-one mentoring. We've had this. This was the very first conversation I think we had, Taylor. But how is it that corporate worship is discipleship? And I guess, why is it so significant as discipleship in the individual Christian's life? Yeah, I think one of the reasons why it's really significant is that, um, you know, the Bible talks a lot about the importance of growing in our faith, and the Bible doesn't necessarily talk about Sunday school or D groups or cell groups. You know, those things are all great, but the Bible talks about the church getting together and building themselves Mm -hmm. up together and uh, growing in that way. So there's a sense in which worship is the only explicitly um, commanded form of discipleship in the Bible. So I think it's really important that we don't just rely on these kind of small group settings that can be really, really good, um, but that we're being brought together as the group, that we're hearing the public reading of the Word, that we're allowing the Word of God to work in us. Um, I think when we think about singing, a lot of times today we think about singing as kind of a way to express how we feel or a way to, you know, connect with God on Mm -hmm. some kind of spiritual level, but Paul talks a lot about singing as a form of teaching and instruction. Mm-hmm. We um, sing so to one another. Yeah, we sing to one another. We instruct one another with the singing of psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So that's something that Taylor and I and our, our worship planning team thinks about a lot. Um, you know, what's being taught in these songs that we sing? How are we growing in our faith and reinforcing our knowledge of God and our knowledge of Scripture and what we're singing? I would take our bulletin that we provide every single week and simply look through the various elements that we have And what you'll notice is all of those elements could be done in a way that, or structured in a way to which you could use that as your personal discipleship time or personal growth time throughout the week. So take the prayer of confession that we do often, read the passage of scripture that we use that Sunday and allow it to lead you into a time of confession of your own sin. Uh, Take the sermon that is preached by one of our pastors and listen to it again or review the notes that you took on the sermon. Uh, Take one of the songs that we're singing and look up the lyrics and meditate on those lyrics and allow those lyrics to draw you into worship of God. So, you know, it's 
the the corporate gathering is a very simple tool to use as a you know onboarding for whatever you would do during the week in your personal growth time. So let the let the corporate gathering guide your your personal worship. Yeah, I'd say one of my favorite things to see on Monday morning when I get in and it happens fairly regularly is someone will send me an email and say, "Hey, could you send me a copy of the lyrics to one of those songs that we sang on Sunday. It really spoke to me. I really want to reflect on those words during the week. And I think that's a really great thing to not just let the worship service be a thing that happens on Sunday morning, but to be thinking about it and reflecting on it throughout the week. So again, the the point of this podcast is to encourage um, edifying Bible-centered conversations. So that's why we call it conversations in the word. So how can our corporate worship gathering spur on these kinds of conversations? Yeah, I think um, having ongoing conversations, even just starting simple with like talking about the sermon, you know, it's something that Mary Catherine and I try to do each Sunday. Of course, we debrief from our own end about how things went from a technical and logistic standpoint, but we try to be intentional about, you know, talking about the sermon. Um, And when we get together on Wednesday night with people at church, like we know that Everyone who's been at church, we heard that same sermon, so that's an easy place to just kind of Hopefully jump into. Hopefully they were listening, yeah. Hopefully they were listening, yes. Um, but it's an easy way to jump into. We all, you know, in theory, studied this passage this past Sunday, so we can kind of talk about what have you been thinking about that, or how have you been kind of applying some of those things to your life? And I think in the corporate prayers that we pray, those are easy spinoffs into, you know, as Reed was praying his prayer of confession this past Sunday, not that we... We necessarily love confessing our sins to one another, but James 5 tells us we're supposed to. And so uh, could that lead us into a conversation with a brother or sister where we we share with them a struggle that we're having regarding a particular sin uh, with a prayer of lament? Could we share with a brother or sister how some event that's taking place in the world has really burdened our hearts Mm -hmm. for, uh, you know, a particular country or for lost people, whatever? So there's all sorts of ways Again, to take the bulletin, use it as a discipleship guide, and allow it to spur you on to have conversations with your other brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, guys, I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope this has been edifying to you, our listeners, and we'll look forward to seeing you guys next time.